Welcome to the Mermaid Society's Extraordinary Girls of the Sea series. I'm Sally Mack and I'm going to be bringing you some of the most inspiring stories and conversations from women achieving big things from every corner of the globe. This is episode four, our conversation with Belinda Baggs, a true water woman in every way. She's also a conservationist, a mother, and works with Patagonia as an ambassador. In 2017, Belinda went on a trip to the Great Barrier Reef as featured in the short film, The Reef Beneath, to take a look at the first-hand devastation being caused by the effects of climate change, and it really struck a chord. We chat about what preservation and conservation means to her and how she's integrated some of the basics into her son's life to make a real difference. We also have a chat about how she finds the balance and solace in the ocean, depending on the conditions, as well as her journey to charging some of the biggest body surfing waves I've ever seen. How are you going, Belinda? Hi, Sally. I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the show. So great to have you on. Um, I've just finished watching the little clip from Patagonia. It really has brought quite a definitive clarity to what needs to be done and what Patagonia is trying to do and as an ambassador I guess you're kind of on that ride with them trying to build that. Yeah so the Great Barrier Reef something that I've been quite passionate about passionate about for a lot of years. I just feel like you know I grew up surfing along the east coast of Australia and ultimately the Great Barrier Reef is a huge section of that coast although it's not frequently visited by surfers mostly due to the lack of waves in certain areas. But it is part of that coast and as an Australian I feel like it's sort of my right to be able to protect it and feed, and seeing all the all the threats that it's under is has just really shaken me up and so I've been really passionate about about doing whatever I can to raise awareness and, and hopefully make a small difference. You know, Patagonia is very supportive of a lot of environmental issues. And one of the um, non-for-profit groups that they have supported via our grants program in past years is called Australian Marine Conservation Society. So we all got talking together and um, just thought that, you know, if we can use our channels to try and raise awareness and help support their cause, um, then why not? Let's go for it. So that's what we, what the basis of the movie, um, how, how it kind of eventuated, I guess. What are your views on climate change, firstly? Well, I think, you know, it's the scientific evidence is there. There's a lot of to and froms, so a lot of people saying that, you know, we haven't recorded weather for long enough and it could be a natural pattern, but with all the recorded pollution and scientific data off of that, then I think that there's enough evidence there stating that as humans we are having a huge impact on the planet and the climate. Yeah, so I do think that everything that we do as people is having an effect on that, within that. And so many people are now making active choices in their everyday life to do little things to change that, especially, I guess, in Australia. I'm not sure about other smaller cities in the world, but I do know that, the, you know, the larger cities, the Western kind of areas of the world are making those conscious choices. Do you think that is the right way for us to be moving forward to help uh, alleviate it a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I think every little bit counts, and I also think that people more often than not leave those choices up to their government when, in actual fact, the choice is in our own hands. So, you know, it's up to us whether we choose to, you know, consume that product or drive that type of car or eat that type of food and even down to, you know, where we buy our power from, although I know a lot of the time power is something that's been quite controversial with the 
the debate between renewables and fossil fuels and their their reliance. Um, but yeah, I think I think ultimately the choice is in our hands, and that we all need to be proactive in making a difference. You're right. I think being able to take that individual responsibility is such a major part of it because if hundreds of thousands of people are doing it, we're obviously going to be able to enact change, especially within the governments um, in democratic states. And you can see a lot of that happening with, um, for instance, with Patagonia being behind, even just in the surf industry with the, the invention of the and the integration of the Ulex wetsuits and really kind of putting that pressure on the surf companies to step up and play their part individually as well. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, looking at alternative methods rather than the things that we've used for years and years. So it's not necessarily that, you know, we shouldn't wear wetsuits anymore because they're bad for the environment. It's looking for an alternative that um, that is better for the environment. So it's sort of just choosing choosing what's best a lot of the time. And now a lot of those alternatives are out there and are becoming available to people. So just like the Ulex wetsuits, you know, Patagonia hopes to make that that wetsuit technology available to the whole surf industry and hope that, you know, everybody will get on board and start making natural rubber wetsuits. So, you know, hopefully hopefully the 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 want to, to do good will spread throughout not just the individuals but through the companies as well. And I think the best way to do that is to for the individuals to put pressure on the companies, on our governments, um, by demand. So... And I guess um, I was talking to a couple of people the other day that aren't necessarily um, so immersed in the surf industry and a lot of people don't actually understand what the harm is with wetsuits. So can you explain that a little bit and tell us what it is that Ulex is doing to change uh, the materials used in wetsuits? Yeah, so basically the standard rubber now is um, made out of neoprene which is extracted from fossil fossil fuels. So we're, we're putting that dependence on the fossil fuel industry or adding to that dependence of the fossil fuel industry where the Ulex rubber is um, an actual natural latex rubber from the Havania tree. Um, and the rubber is basically grown in a rainforest certified plantation. And then to get the, the, rate, the rubber out, it's actually part of the sap of the tree. So they just cut a small little... Um, I don't know, like a small cutting around the trunk of the tree and then the, the sap drains into a cup where it's taken up to a factory and then processed into rubber in a very um, non-tense energy or water, water usage um, and then taken to the wetsuit factory where it's then created into wetsuits. Nice. So, so I think they can do that on a mass scale? Like they can create, get that, extract that sap and use that for wetsuits on a mass scale? Um, I believe so. It would just be a matter of making sure that there's enough latex rubber plantations um, and, of course, not you know, def- using deforestation to grow the plantations and doing them in the right way, which is why I think it's really important that they're Rainforest Alliance certified so they have that, that tick of approval that they, they haven't you know, torn down huge natural um, bushland or forests in order to, to plant these, these trees. Yeah, so going back to the point about being able to make clean alternatives with products and and choices and and that kind of thing, I guess the exciting thing is that the kids growing up now are growing up knowing how crucial it is to be able to make those kind of contributions. And so as they finish school and enter university or tertiary studies or whatever they're doing, 
they've got that so ingrained that the possibilities for innovation and alternatives are going to be so much greater than nearly what they were for any other generation that's come up so far. Yeah, and that's truly amazing. Like I remember growing up and being at school and, you know, alternative energy or, you know, even ways of eating and how it affects the environment wasn't even a thing that was discussed, you know. Or it was looked down upon nearly. Laughed at. I remember even getting laughed at by my my friends at school for picking rubbish up out of the school <laughs> oval and being like, you're just such a dork. I'm like, but it's going to kill the whales and the fish and it's not good. I feel like it was nearly looked upon as like a, uh, a kind of hippie alternative. So like yeah, being as, exactly. as an alternative way of thinking, it, it really was conservative. People weren't so embracing of it, but now it's kind of like it's totally flipped on its head. And I feel like a lot of conservative people are the forerunners in, in the movement. Yeah, and I think it really does need to be a movement because you look at the state of the world and, you know, with a lot of the predictions that the scientists have come up with, you know, within my child's lifetime, there could be complete devastation and, you know, depletion of food sources and things like that. So, you know, and not not just for our survival, but also, you know, coming back to the Great Barrier Reef, that was another thing that got me thinking is that, like, I may never get a chance to dive on the Great Barrier Reef with my son because by the time he's old enough to be able to do it, it might completely be dead. What sort of world are we giving to our children? And so I think it's really important to um, not only learn ourselves but really focus on educating them um, to, to make better choices and just live a better, cleaner life. So many people talk about environmental issues today, especially regarding the Great Barrier Reef and what can be done because we're actually seeing it, you know, that devastation with the coral and the reef. But yep. what are the realities of actually being able to turn that damage around or have the rising sea temperatures and climate change damaged it forever? I think inevitably, uh, you know, history has told us that the Great Barrier Reef will have parts of damage done to it naturally, but not at the rate that it is being, being done now. Um, the cyclones are coming through way more intense when they do and wiping out giant sections of the reef. I know the cyclone Debbie that went through a couple of months before we did our recent trip, which was in the movie, there was um, a period of about 48 hours where all the coral around the Whitsundays was completely destroyed. And not just like, you know, kind of a little bit wrecked. Like there was areas where there was, it was flattened and there was absolutely nothing left. The seafloor looked like a desert, so to speak. Um, and other areas where algae had set in and algae blooms had killed like a bunch of living coral and things like that. And from what I ha- what I do understand is that certain types of coral in certain areas under pristine conditions will be able to grow back and regenerate themselves. But it's a matter of us, um, you know, trying to do all we can to protect the quality of the water and obviously lessen climate change Um, and global warming in order for that to to give it a chance to be able to do that. And I believe that, you know, out of all the studies that have been been done, we're at a bit of a tipping point at the moment where if we don't clean up our act and stop letting off so many pollutants into the air, then, you know, it's inevitable that it will just continue getting worse and worse and we'll go down a bad path or, you know, we can kind of, do the alternative where we make things better and give the earth a chance to regenerate itself and the reef, earth and reef. 
I feel like even though we are on that tipping point with everything environmentally, we're also on, we're approaching a tipping point for having government cooperation with that movement, I guess, as we've, we've defined it. For everybody, you know, like not just the government, but also a lot of people that never really considered mm. um, that way acceptance. of thinking in the past and now they're, you know, they're, they're behind the movement and they're behind it and they know that we need to change our ways. And I think that that alone is probably putting pressure on the government um, more than anything else. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But, you know, I think the people power is what is what the government's kind of seeing and then going, oh, well, let's do something about this because the people want it. Patagonia is so incredible in the way that it's leading the retail and surf industry forward. Um, is it all as good as it sounds? Is this... Is this movie, was that part of the overall vision? Like what is that vision and, and how are they trying to, you know, push it, what they're trying to do even further? Yeah, so, I mean, it's such an amazing company to work for and to be completely honest, I have learned way more about the environment and our impacts in our, you know, in our consumer consumer decisions through Patagonia than, than I would have if I, if I didn't know, know the company at all. And, you know, they're truly walking the walk, so to speak. You know, the the founder of the company, Yvonne Trenard, is just an amazing environmentalist and so caring. And I think it's something like, to date, the company's donated $75 million to environmental causes, which is just astounding, you know. And, of course, the other side to that is people say, like, you know, oh, you got to make money, like the company's still out there to make money. And they are, and Yvonne's even said it himself, which is if we weren't making money, we wouldn't be able to continue donating money. So, you know, and fighting the good fight. So, yeah, I think everything that they that they do and the company ethos and, and, and what they believe is just really, really amazing and phenomenal thing. And I think knowing that, you know, even with the owner of the company coming out and saying that, it makes you feel a little bit better about digging a little bit deeper in your pocket and giving money. I, I guess it feels always a little bit harder to give a chunk of money as a donation to a cause, but when you are buying yeah. a product and you know that, that that the goodness of that product is contributing to our environment, it doesn't feel so harsh and it it actually makes you feel better because you're supporting the cause and donating at the same time, I guess. So it's an amazing yeah, initiative exactly. by Patagonia and what an incredible amount of money to have, have to their name. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's really amazing that they're, um, you know, just taking that extra step and, and really getting behind things. And I think right now currently they're actually trying to take the American president to court over um, – what he's done with the public lands over there. So not only is it a financial thing, but it's also, you know, embedded deep into most people's veins that work in the company that they, they want what's best for the environment and, you know, they're going to stand behind stand behind what's best. So, yeah, it's really good. I know that was a very big headline. Yeah. I mean, great publicity for Patagonia, but what a strong move to make and also knowing that in knowing they've got the environments back as well and they're actually going to, you know, take him. If, if that if that court case succeeds, I mean, it'll be landmark. Yeah, it would be incredible. So how are you connecting your son with the water and connecting him with being able to understand all of these things that you're working towards as an individual and with the company? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, my son, my son's now six years old and he loves the water. He's still not – 
I'm teaching him how to surf currently, but he's still, I wouldn't call him a surfer yet. He's still in the white water standing up every second wave, but he just truly loves it. And I kind of feel that it's such a special part of my family to have been able to pass that on to him. Like my dad surfs and he taught me how to surf and it's really, you know, that connection to the ocean has really guided my life to where it is today. And also been the thing that's, that's made me kind of environmentally conscious and aware and giving me, given me that, that just care for the earth and the places that I surf and, and, and live um, just an, I guess just an appreciation and to be able to pass that, that way of thinking onto my son and, and provide him with, you know, just this passion that he can, can keep for life is just something really special to me. So I also know that the, the child's brain is pretty simple in a lot of the ways that he thinks. So I sort of break it down that like, you know, if I guess using rubbish is a really easy example because it's visible is that you put a piece of rubbish on the sand the fish or the turtles are going to get confused and eat it and it's going to kill them. And then there they are being washed up on the shoreline of our morning walk. And he sees that firsthand and sees how destructive our actions could be. So I think I just try and break everything down for him in a really simple manner and, and hope that he kind of grasps that without, you know, he's also quite a sensitive little boy. So without giving him too much doom and gloom that the, the world's going to end and if we don't take care of it. So, yeah, just sort of break it down really simply and, and have him do things that, that, that make a small difference. I know um, at his birthday party last year, instead of having his friends give him presents, we asked for them to donate money towards the Great Australian Bride Alliance. So everybody put in, you know, ten dollars instead of giving him a gift, and then at the end of the party, donated a hundred dollars to the Great Australian Bite Alliance, so they can continue their, their work and their efforts in stopping drilling going on in, in the South Australian Bite. That is so amazing. That is the most beautiful story, and I'm sure so many kids can get behind that. I feel like as well, kids have this raw empathy that we don't connect with enough, and. Things yes. like that, small I little agree. efforts where they can actually see that they're making a change is so powerful for them and they're going to have that for life and they're going to be able to influence their friends. Like there, w- there would be no doubt kids that came away from that party, maybe even just one or two that, you know, might take that on or might even just imply it when they're parents. <laughs> and if that is the result of that, then what a great result. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's like, you know, Race's take on it was, Mum, we just raised money to help save the whales in South Australia. And so, you know, for him, and he got to go to school and he had a little award that the Wilderness Society, Great Australian Bio Alliance, had sent him. And he went to school with his little certificate and showed all the kids. And I actually had a few of the parents come up and be like, we just thought that was an amazing thing that Rayson did for his birthday. So hopefully it has made a, a bit of an impact on his friends and just kind of created a, an awareness um, for the kids and also for the parents. So, I guess that's what it is as well. Yeah. Like it really is just an awareness. It's being able to keep that message going, keep it constant so that it becomes a part of people's everyday life, especially kids, like being part of kids' everyday life, being part of adults, you know, becoming that that subconscious. Every single time you go out somewhere, you take 
a bag with you every single time you go to a shop or a cafe you're using recycled cu- like recyclable cups or cups from home and just you know really honing in on those really easy things that you can do in day-to-day life that are going to make such a big difference on a mass scale it's not just you yeah. as one person it's like everyone all working together yeah. Exactly. And I think that's like one of the the biggest things that I try and share with him right now is that, you know, everything that we do in day-to-day life does have an effect, you know. Um, And it's just simple things like using, making sure he's always got a reusable water bottle with him and he fills it up out of the tap instead of taking plastics to school or, you know, uh, even like the food that he eats, I try and teach him like where it comes from and that all the food that he's putting into his body not only needs to nourish his body and be healthy but also has an environmental impact as well and what that might be. Wow, yeah. Well, if Grayson's making the change, then a lot of other kids are going to be following him, I think. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make it whole uh, by himself, but uh, he's definitely passionate and extremely sensitive little boy. So, yeah, I think he's he has the care and the will to want to – to want to you know get on board and try and influence people to change things so fingers crossed to make a difference one thing i was going to touch on earlier was in the movie you talked about your dad passing on that love of the ocean and the care of the ocean when you were younger as well do you think that's one of the things that makes the ocean so spiritual for a lot of us is the fact that it is nearly like uh a religion in that ways at it gets passed down from generation to generation. And in a time when religion, you know, among a lot of communities in big cities um, isn't as strong, something like the ocean and, and being able to connect with your children and have your grandparents connect with you and their grandchildren is really important. Yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, like like you said in the movie, like the, my dad did teach me how to surf and my fondest childhood memories are of, you know, beach time with my mum and dad and particularly, you know, learning to surf with my dad and and we still spare that, sorry, we, st- we still share that special time in the ocean together and now to be able to share that with my son as well is just something that's just really, really amazing. And we hold on to those times, you know, like they're always in the back of my mind and we're always trying to create more moments where, where that can be possible. You know, we get, you get busy in day to day life. So it's not every day that you get to paddle out in the water with your son and your dad, you know? Um, and I, and I have a lot of friends that have been brought up, um, the same way where their dad or their mother surfs and that's like the special time that they they share together and it's just this bond that will never be never be forgotten or replaced and, and it's just really special um, and I, I also know quite a few people that that do do think of being in the ocean as like a spiritual time like you were saying so like you know they might be Christian but they don't actually practice at a church they go into the ocean to share that time with nature and that's why knowing that we have a responsibility to look after the ocean and do as much as we can is it touches so many people in such a, a deep spiritual ways it's like nearly protecting exactly. your religion <laughs> yeah and it, and it extends way beyond swimming even you know mm. like i know on the Great Barrier Reef trip with me was Kimmy Werner, who's a free diving spearfisher woman. And I was really interesting for me to watch her because I saw her eyes light up and just her soul ignite after a great dive 
like the same feeling that I get out of surfing. So I think that just went to, to show that it's not just surfing that lends that that feeling and gives you that spirit. It's just purely being in the ocean. So whether you're spearfishing or paddling or free diving or even just snorkeling and swimming, you know, it, it really has a special place for so many people. Mm. And I think that it's, you know, that passion for place that is probably one of the things that's going to um, make people aware that we do need to save it and, and create that, like, protective nature over something that you love so much. Mm. And I think as well it's not even being in the water. You don't even need to be immersed. The sea spray itself getting, you know, breathing it in, going up your nose, in your mouth, through your lungs, That yeah. even that, you know, captures people and they get caught on that even if they can't get in the water. Like they just sit on the beach or the yeah. shoreline or the coastline and they enjoy that and the infinity of what the horizon kind of represents. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Like even just sitting on the beach and feeling the, the salt air on your face is enough to just sort of wash away, you know, everything from daily life and make you really focus on being here now and being present in the moment and and kind of paying attention to, to, to our natural surroundings and nature and what's going on. It's so beautiful. So I wanted to touch on um, the fact that there aren't really that many females body surfing the kind of waves that you body surf. So yeah. it's a really insane yet inspiring thing to watch and I've always been so inspired by seeing your photos pop up, especially when you're like gliding slash charging down a massive 10-foot <laughs> wave with nothing. It's just the coolest thing to see um, and I'm so in awe of you doing it. But what is it like actually charging those waves? Is it is it kind of a combo of terror and adrenaline or is it just feel all natural to you? Um, I think it just feels really natural, to be honest. I mean, I definitely have a limit in waves where I wouldn't go out, so it's where I feel comfortable if I start to feel... What is that limit? <laughs> yeah, you know, if I start to feel, like, uncomfortable and, like, threatened in any way, then I usually come in. And I'm not much of a person that kind of chases adrenaline either. So I think it's just more of... Um, really just feeling the energy of nature and embracing it and kind of flowing with the the, the wave and the currents, um, you know, of the ocean and things like that. So it's definitely not like an adrenaline or a fear-based thing. It's more, um, yeah, just, just sort of a connection to nature. And then I also love being exposed to wild places and I think it makes you feel really alive and so that's also my other my other take on it is definitely just just the exposure to the the raw power and energy of the earth and just letting it ignite you and feeling just yeah really 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 alive and full of energy and is that a different feeling to longboarding because of course you're You've got an extreme talent, I believe, for longboarding as well. Like you're just so graceful and you've got a style that kind of – you can feel from the beach when you're watching it or even your photos. Like every part of your body is engaged with the wave and the, and the board and you know exactly what's happening. It's it's really transfixing to watch you surf as well. Is So is that feeling different to body surfing for you? Thank you, firstly, by the way. <laughs> um, I think maybe – that feeling is just a bit of an extension um, from so from like my longboarding. I sort of get a really similar thing where I feel like I'm connecting with the speed of the wave. And to be honest, it's 
when I longboard, it's probably a time when I feel most feminine. Like I'm not very much of a girly girl, but when I am on my heavy single fin log, I feel feminine. I feel like I can stand tall and I feel like I have this confidence that I don't have in daily life on land. Um, And when I'm body surfing, it's almost just an extension of that. And the reason that I started body surfing waves like that is because, well, firstly, because of the longboards I ride uh, don't actually work in waves like that. They're all made for for smaller type surf and my shortboarding skills aren't quite up to scratch. So it was a matter of me going, well, I'd love to go out there and surf those waves, but I actually can't do it with the skill set that I have on a shortboard how can I get out there and how can I, how can I be part of that and feel, you know, the waves and what, what it's like out there. And that was body surfing. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really just an extension of, of the feeling that I get out of longboarding, but maybe a little bit more intensified because you're obviously minus board. So you're completely immersed in the sea and there's a lot more power and raw energy. It's interesting to see, to hear you say that you aren't that great with a shortboard so you just went straight to body surfing you know like it's and it's kind of comforting as well because it probably might hit a couple of chords for some women and just go you know what I'm on a longboard I don't need to do the shortboard stuff I'm just going to head out there on on a on my own with you know a hand plane or some flippers and fill the ocean and and get stuck into some waves body surfing. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, one of my main goals of a, as a surfer has always been to be able to ride any type of waves that I incur in, an every, in, in every day, um, you know, minus like choku and things like that. I'm definitely not hunting those waves, <laughs> but like an everyday type surf. And because I did fall passionately in love with longboarding or particularly heavy single fin logs, which really aren't made to perform well in overhead waves then I needed to learn to adapt to other types of equipment and I just have never although I do shortboard quite a bit I'm I really have never picked up um you know a great knowledge of it and I'm a longboarder at heart so I'm always standing with my feet too close together I don't feel like I'm strong enough to be able to position myself or do like huge turns and things like that and so I think body surfing has just been a way for me to to use the knowledge of the ocean that I already have. Um, thankfully, I was already quite a strong swimmer, so I didn't have to learn that. Um, and, and use to be able to, I guess, utilize my strengths um, that I have within my body and my weaknesses. Like, you know, I'm not that strong, but I can stay streamlined. And that's one of the main aspects to body surfing. And so, you know, I'm able to utilize the body and the wave that I have and, and make it work. That's such a powerful last phrase. I, I love that you're able to use what you have and make it work. Yeah. Finally, you have one of the best van setups I've heard of all time. What oh, are your it's ins- a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> what are your essentials in your van? What what has to be in there every single day? Um, well, I'd like to say less is more when you're talking about van life. Um, you don't want too much stuff in there. I feel like it gets cluttered. But I also have, um, what would I say, I, I have an extensive selection of surfboards that I always like to keep in my car. So I usually have two long boards um, under the bed frame as well as a small rack under the bed frame that has um, two short boards on it, swim fins, hand plane at the side, three or four wetsuits hanging on the other side, and then a few little boxes um, in between with, you know, 
everyday essentials like wax things things like that but um but yeah I think that's you know to kit it out for your own personal use is always a work in progress and I think you're always tinkering and then going if only I had this one little shelf just like your house my lip balm yeah like that I could keep my lip balm on when I was sleeping that would make (laughs) it so much better that's my latest we just went camping on the weekend and I was like if only I had a shelf next to my bed so I could reach over and grab my lip balm and my water bottle and you know your, your overnight essentials instead have to be scrambling around in the dark with a torch searching like which, which jacket pocket did I leave my damn lip balm in like a little van utility shelf <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so we've just had a incredible little look at the film by Patagonia the reef beneath featuring Belinda bags it's been great to have you and have a chat thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to see how Patagonia continues this journey thanks so much for having me it's been great to talk to you too That was our chat with Belinda Bags, the Patagonia ambassador and body surfing charger. Stay tuned to the mermaidsociety.com.au for more news, information and stories from the sea. If you haven't already, make sure you check out our latest board and wetsuit guides. I'm Sally Mack. See you next time.